What is up, podcast fam? You are listening to episode 70 of My Turf. I'm your host, Ryan Marshall, back with you once again, live from Lower Alabama on a beautiful, hot-ass Tuesday. But nonetheless, we'll take the summer weather, right? As school ramps up heading into August, we also get football on the horizon. So I've actually got Meet the Tigers this Thursday for our in our local town, so I'm super stoked about it. Um, man, it's here, guys. It is absolutely here. The best time of the year. It's like Christmas, but we're in August, so it's all great. It's all great, and um, yeah, I'm super stoked about it. I want to say I uh, appreciate all your questions from last week that were really hard hitting, but that's what we do. We tackle them here on my turf. Remember, if you want to hit me up, ask me a question to go on the air. My turf show at gmail.com or use my Twitter handle if it's going to be called that going further but rfmarsha11 looks like we've got a lot more characters we can use on Twitter right now but so it's it's still it's still totally fine to use the email because some people want to be a little bit more anonymous and uh, want it to be more one-on-one and personal and stuff and don't want it to be out there on the Twitter sphere or anything like that so I totally get that but be sure Tell your friends, Apple Podcasts and Spotify are the platforms this podcast is available on. It's about college and pro football, love, and a lot of other shit going on in the world right now. I'm anti-woke, so if you're woke, this ain't the podcast for you, unless you want to give a different opinion, where I will probably consider it in hindsight, but at the same time, I'm probably just going to tell you, (sighs) grow up, be an adult, and get out of your mom's basement and try to be tougher in life instead of being tough behind a keyboard. If that makes sense, I think you feel what I'm putting down. Episode 70, the title track will be The Island Boys. Ooh, people are like, what? what? What's that about? Okay, I was watching Instagram and I came across these like two fraternal twins that were really weird looking as far as like wannabe gangsters, but they weren't tough looking at all. Uh, they look like me, but minus like 50 pounds with tattoos and uh, I really don't know them or what they're about as far as being influencers or why they're even famous, but you know, their name gave me an idea for this episode. Since we're talking about the best of the best at cornerback, the guys you leave on an island and are the top cornerbacks from the NFL, college football, and the high school ranks. This is the perfect title for this episode. Remember, it started with Darrell Rebus when he was with the New York Jets. They said, hey, you leave him on an island out there since Rebus Island. That is still true to this day. The best cover corners are those guys you can leave on one side of the field. They can trail different wide receivers that are maybe the best in the game. And uh, they make an impact in that way. They maybe don't always get their hands on the ball, but they take away that side of the field and uh, they don't allow that number one wide receiver to beat you up. So that's always um, that's always what I think about when I think about those guys that are the best on the island. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to talk about the top cornerbacks. I know we got great NFL and, high, and college football news going on right now. We're going to leave that leave that towards the end of the episode here on episode 70 but we will get into it trust me we've got to talk about some things going on in the nfl camps and some other stuff being uh you know basically being stewed up across the uh, college football landscape remember conferences are realigning and it looks uh it's looking a little crazy out there so let's talk about the nfl cornerbacks right now remember nfl top 100 is being released right now so 
Did I get some guys from that? Mm, I did a little bit. I also saw some other rankings being put out there. Mine are going to be a little bit different, and I will explain the reasoning why. I'm not saying I know more than an NFL or ESPN analyst, but at the end of the day, your boy's got a podcast and he's got his own rankings. Otherwise, you could just listen and t- listen to them. But you have me for that, right? So starting with the NFL, number one, or should we start number five? Let's do number five. I'll do number five first. It's going to be Denzel Ward from the Cleveland Browns. Remember, he came out of Ohio State a couple years back. My brother and I were super hot on him because one word described Denzel Ward. Sticky. Sticky as can be with elite footwork, and he understands receiver releases like a book. 5'11", 190 pounds, guys, and he will still come up and lay the lumber. Love watching Denzel Ward. He's got Greg Newsom across from him. Greedy Williams was supposed to be across from him. They were going to be a dynamic duo, but didn't really work out there in Cleveland. But Denzel Ward and that secondary, they're very, very key to what the Cleveland Browns defense has to do to be successful, along with, of course, Miles Garrett. I think we all know Miles Garrett means a lot. But yeah, like Denzel Ward's number two. <laughs> uh, number four is going to be Jair Alexander from the Green Bay Packers. One word describes him. He's got the swagger and is as shut down as it gets. He will also trail the your number one wide receiver. Um, Jair doesn't get the most interceptions, but he's got great recovery, recovery speed. You've almost got to make a perfect throw to beat him. He's not the best at hitting and tackling, but he'll get his hands dirty, and he does a great job, man. He His mentality, um, his attitude, it really, really helps the Green Bay Packers defense, as you saw towards the latter part of the year when they started letting him be himself and he was really getting up in Justin Jefferson's face and he caused Justin Jefferson to probably have his worst game as a pro uh, last last year in Lambeau. So if you haven't seen that, go check out that highlight, Jair Alexander. Hi, number three, it's going to be Sauce Gardner out of the New York Jets. And the reason I got Sauce here at three, I know a lot of people are saying, oh, he's number one. Last year he was a rookie. He wasn't taking on the number ones last year. And maybe that's not the design of what Robert Sala's defense is. But at the end of the day, you got to do it more than one year. You've got to be able to develop and keep going with it. Other people are going to watch films on film on you. And they're going to figure out a little bit where you're going to have to adjust. I, he was really dominant last year. He had the lowest passer rating against him in the NFL, which is super impressive as a rookie. Sauce Gardner came in and did, did his thing. He's got great, great length. And... Uh, I can't say anything more about the guy. I mean, I'm super impressive. I'm super impressed by the guy. But at the end of the day, he's going to be number three. He just got to do it for a little bit longer. But if he does well, he could he could catapult to number one. All right, number two is going to be Marshawn Lattimore, the veteran from the New Orleans Saints, another Ohio State Buckeye. Marshawn, his elite man cover skills are as good as it gets. He's so physical. He disrupts timing. He's been doing it for so long. Ask Tom Brady, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Marshawn Lattimore shut them down to where that was basically Tom Brady's kryptonite when playing NFC teams. He could not get past the New Orleans Saints. They had his number, and who had his number was Marshawn Lattimore. He is so gifted, an incredible, incredible player. Um, and that's why I still got him at number two, because even as he gets older a little bit, he is still not afraid to take on the best wide receivers in the NFL. Okay, so number one, people are going to say this is a Bama homer pick. Has nothing to do with that. Right now, to me, the most complete cornerback in the NFL from a shutdown standpoint, 
from a physicality standpoint and also from how impactful he can be for a defense is Patrick Sertain Jr. He gets the interceptions. He can come up and bust you up in the run. And like I said, he can also bounce back a little bit and play some play some zone coverage to help you out too because he has elite awareness and he can really track the ball very well. I love, love his two-hand jam in the pros, man. I don't know. He didn't do it a whole lot at Bama, but he's got the best two-hand jam at the line of scrimmage in the pros, and he really can reroute guys. So, so physical. He looks like a strong safety out there, guys. He's that big. He's, what, 6'2", 220, can run like a deer. You have to make a perfect throw on Patrick Sertain along with these other guys to, to beat him, basically. Um, and so that's that's my list. Number one, Patrick Sertain the second. Number two, Marshawn Lattimore. Number three, Sauce Gardner. Number four, Jair Alexander. And number five, Denzel Ward. So I like this list. Love these players. And um, yeah, that's our top five NFL cornerbacks. Now let's transition to the college guys. Okay, so we're going to start off with... I'm going to start off with number five. I'll go number five. I usually go one through five, but I'll go five through one. We'll get it suspenseful. Um, remember, this has been, this position has become a big time priority for teams in the NFL. They're, they're getting drafted higher and higher and higher. Um, they want to shut down corner and a lot of people are, hey, look, they're going to give up. They're going to draft them pretty early to see if they can get that guy because they know if they take that side of the way, take that side of the ball away it's, it can really help your defense as far as leverage and really just give you less less to worry about. So number five is going to be Michigan cornerback Will Johnson. This is a guy that's got elite speed, and they've been putting him out, man. Jim Harbaugh does, an, does a tremendous job of recruiting DBs and cornerback Will Johnson, man. He's as good as it gets last year. I was hoping to see maybe Michigan versus Georgia in the national championship game and see how he would do against uh, Ladd McConkey. And the slot. I was hoping we would see how see how an elite cornerback would actually do on Lad. Lad's one of those guys, if he gets a free release, he would be deadly. So I want to see how Will Johnson, good on good, would do against each other. Number four is going to be Georgia cornerback Kamari Lasseter. Nobody's putting better cornerbacks into the NFL right now than probably Ohio State, Alabama, and then we got to come over here and say Georgia, of course, right? Eric Stokes, Tyson Campbell, uh, Kaylee Ringo, the you know the list goes on and on. You could even say DeAndre Baker, even though he you know had some mental things going on for him for Georgia. He was still a first round pick uh, by the Giants of what like 18. So still they're putting good players in the NFL. We all know this, right? So Kamari Lasseter is going to be this next really good one. He's got good length, you know, six foot one, 180. He's not afraid to come up and hit you. He can play that great matchup zone, but he can also of course go man to man. I like this kid a lot. I think he does a really great job of watching what the quarterback is doing in that matchup zone. He's got that really good short burst to get to the ball as well. So number four is Kamari Lasseter out of Georgia. Number three is going to be Florida cornerback Jason Marshall Jr. When he was coming out of high school a couple years ago, I was really like on this kid. Like, hey, why don't you come to Bama? My cousin Jason, even though you know we're not cousins, obviously, but because uh, he's far more athletic. But Jason Marshall Jr. was that dude. Really good press cover corner guy. Um, I mean, you have to make almost a perfect throw to beat Jason Marshall Jr. He's an incredible talent. Gets some interceptions. He's always breaking up passes. 
does an extremely good job as far as rerouting you, even on the deeper routes. You know what I mean? He just is not, he's not going to let you get a post on him very easily. It just, it's really hard to do on the out and ups too. He really glides with you. Does a great job. Got great recovery speed. Number three is going to be Jason Marshall Jr. Number two is going to be Penn State cornerback Kalen King. Super physical, great ball skills, awareness. Kalen King is a total package. He really, really is. For me, I don't think he goes up against the best wide receivers necessarily um, in his conference. But what he does do, he is super, super good. When you when he goes against like Ohio State and Michigan's and stuff, he does a really good job. So this is a guy that a lot of people think could become number one and be drafted first overall. But there's just somebody who's been a little bit more proven. But Kalen King, in my opinion... He's right up there with him, man. He is He's an exceptional, except, exceptional cornerback. Just don't think he faces the competition like our number one person does. And number one is going to be Alabama cornerback, Kool-Aid McKinstry. You can look at anybody's draft boards, mock, whatever. Kool-Aid is the number one cornerback on everybody's list. Does a great job of routing you, great ball skills. That's one thing that always jumped off, jumped off at me when watching his high school film is... He just had tremendous ball skills. He was a basketball player, and Kool-Aid has. He's not probably as fast as Kalen King, but he's got really great closing speed and just really great ball skills where if it's a it's a 50-50 ball, Kool-Aid can really do some damage against you. You're just, it's just not going to be a 70-30 or 90-10 advantage like it is uh, for some wide receivers. It's going to be a 50-50 ball. Kool-Aid does a really good job of getting his head around. Um, he does a, he's just really great at playing the ball. I love him a lot. I think uh, this year, if he has a huge year, Alabama can do special things on that defensive side of the ball. So number one is going to be Kool-Aid McKinstry out of Alabama. Number two, Penn State cornerback Kalen King. Number three, Florida cornerback Jason Marshall Jr. Number four, Georgia cornerback Kamari Lassiter. And number five, Michigan cornerback Will Johnson. Every one of these guys has elite speed. They're great. Great at pass breakups, getting their hands on the ball, getting interceptions. They're good in zone. And, man, all of these guys are the top five cornerbacks in college football and are going to be playing on Sunday someday. If you have not seen these guys, get to YouTube and check them out. Now, every person who doesn't edit on their highlights is going to say they're all the best cornerback in football, but you can go check them out and decide for yourself. Now, let's talk about high school. And really, I think this could be a tie, starting with number one. Because um, I know a lot of people don't pay attention to the recruiting like I do. Um, I had this discussion with somebody the other day. They were like, man, I don't know. Man, you've got too much time in your hands to be keeping up with the recruiting like you do, man. You're like 38 years old. Yeah, I know that. But still, don't don't knock me, okay? These are guys that you're going to want to go to your program and be a part of what you're building. So get to know the names, and you'll be cooler when you're talking at the water cooler, man. Come on. All right, so it could be a tie for number one, for number one, but we're going to start off with Ellis Robinson, the fourth, six foot one, 185 pounds, IMG Academy out of Bradenton, Florida. Remember, we talked about the factory of, of IMG Academy. He's the next one. He's a Georgia commit, straight ball hawk with length, which he uses to get physical at the line of scrimmage. Ellis Robinson, the fourth man. Georgia got them a dog, and he is really, really that good. All right, number two. Like I said, this could be a tie for one. It's going to be five-star cornerback 
Charles Lester, six foot two, 183 pounds out of Venice High School, Florida. He's an FSU lean right now, also an amazing wide receiver. Not the fastest or best athlete, but the ball skills are elite, along with his great short area quickness. So Charles Lester, who is a Florida State lean. So Knowles, get the tomahawk and get after this guy if you want to get him there because him and Ellis Robinson the fourth, who's committed to Georgia, these are the two best cornerbacks in the nation. All right, number three. It's going to be Kobe Black, a five-star cornerback out of Conley High School in Waco, Texas. Six foot, 190 pound. He's a lean towards the University of Texas right now. Comes from a very athletic family. His dad played uh, at Kansas State, brother at Oklahoma State. He's got great length. Six foot seven wingspan, guys. That's incredible. Great at reading and jumping routes and at stopping the run. I like Kobe Black's game a lot, man. He's not as refined as far as in his coverage skills as the other guys, but yeah, Kobe Black, yeah, he, he he's a bad dude. Number four, this guy's had quite a week, quite a week. All right, four-star corner, Aaron Scott, six foot, 170 pounds out of Springfield High School, Ohio, and he recently committed to the Ohio State Buckeyes. He was an Ohio State lean. What did he do as far as his announcement? You have to go check it out on YouTube, but he dates basically um, Burns, Michigan. Acts like he's going to the school from up north and gets him pretty good, man. I was believing it for a second, but yeah, so Aaron Scott may have a target on his back by the Michigan Wolverines, but he's a lockdown corner with an edge, great speed, fluidity, and ball skills, really good at dislodging the ball from a wide receiver's hands. Love watching Aaron Scott play. I think he'll be a five-star by the end of this recruiting cycle. Number five is going to be Zabian Brown, four-star, six-foot, 180 pounds, out of modern-day high school in Santa Ana, California. He's an Alabama commit. He was uh, picked on a little bit as a sophomore, but, wow, the development has been incredible. Zabian used to let you beat him, um, and, and, and really, he just doesn't let that happen anymore. Uh you know, that was kind of underneath. He'd let you kind of get underneath and give you a cushion because he was so afraid of getting beat over the top. But he doesn't let that happen anymore. He realized he has track speed, which helps him recover. And so he's got great pass coverage and fluid, very active eyes. So he's going to play. He doesn't give you a cushion anymore. He presses you, and he knows he can run with you. So that has really helped Zabian Browns. He just got a lot faster, too, and just got more confident. But putting him out there as a, a sophomore against some of the most elite competition in the, in, in the nation – it's pretty impressive. So, Xavier Brown is number five from Alabama. Number four, Aaron Scott going to Ohio State. Number three is Kobe Black. He's a Texas lean from Waco, Texas. Check him out. Number two, Charles Lester. is a Florida State lean. He's from Venice High School in Florida. And number one is Ellis Robinson IV out of IMG Academy, who is committed to Georgia. Get to know these guys. Go follow their recruitment. Go watch more videos, too. There's other good, really good cornerbacks out there. Uh, that have been super impressive, man. So, And, of course, these guys will fluctuate. Injuries can happen as well. Um, but, yeah, these are really good players. Really, really good players. Let's kind of stay with what's going on in college football. Look, it's right now, you know, everybody's talking about what's going on possibly at Northwestern or the realigning of conferences. It looks like Washington could be joining the Big Ten. This past week, we found out that Colorado was going back to the Big 12. And, of course, Dan Landing, the head coach at Oregon, had a great comment saying, I don't remember Colorado winning anything in the Pac-12. They were never relevant. So, Dion and them are going back 
to the Big 12, and uh, hopefully it works out. But right now, it looks like the Pac-12 is getting a um, – they're trying to get a nice deal right now from Apple to be able to stream their games on. That, should, that could help them with some money and maybe paying some teams uh, to stay. You know, they're already losing USC and UCLA. You know they don't want to lose anybody else. They're Colorado, that probably doesn't mean the most to them. They're probably like, okay, we're good with that. Um, but it's all about money. And if they could get some money from Apple, they may be able to lock down some teams like getting Boise State or somebody somebody to flip and go over there. They're going to need to get some better play. Keep the, keep the teams they got intact and uh, then maybe add some, some good ones out there in the West. Um, at the end of the day, though, man, I really – I think the Pac-12 is still a really good conference, and um, yeah, I can't wait to see what they do this year. I did have a question from um, Will out in San Diego, California. Um, Ryan, are you still thinking that Washington is going to win the Pac-12? I never said I thought Washington was going to win the Pac-12. I mean, they got a gauntlet to go through and everything, and they got two of the best wide receivers in college football. Uh, I haven't made that prediction. I just said they were a sleeper out there, what they did last year with Michael Penix Jr. Um, and Caleb DeBoer's, you know, first season. I think they're a really good team. So just, um, yeah, I think I think Washington's a team to watch out for. I just think that, sc- that schedule is really brutal. I think you'd have to pick USC or Utah. Those are the teams that continuously win it. But watch out for Washington. As we get closer to the season and we hear more and stuff and I get more of a feel, I will give you my conference uh, my conference champions, I think. Um, we've got a couple weeks out, okay? Do remember that. So let's kind of talk about the NFL now. That's mainly where our news is coming from right now. They realignment will get there when, it, when we hear more stuff going on. But as far as the NFL news roundup and what's going on, uh, of course, some drama this past week, which I'll start off with a question. Lands out of Denver, Colorado. Ryan, what are your thoughts on Aaron Rodgers taking a $35 million pay cut? Thank you, Lance, for bringing that up once again. Um, uh, he said it was – Aaron Rodgers said it was the right thing to do, and he never did it for my team. But at the end of the day, um, given them the Brady treatment, that's what, that's what he feels like he needs to do. That's what he's willing to do for that organization and not the one he played for for a long time. I probably tells you everything you need to know about the guy. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe Woody Johnson's paying him on the side. Uh, I got to be such an ass, Lance. All right, so other question. Got a question from uh, Mike out of Montgomery, Alabama. Ryan, what was Sean Payton thinking? <laughs> I think Sean Payton was thinking um, – I just don't give a damn. I guess that's the best way to put it. If you didn't hear the remarks, Sean Payton said uh, that former uh, head coach, Nathaniel Hackett, who is now the offensive coordinator with the New York Jets. Before that, he was the uh, offensive coordinator for the Green Bay Packers. He uh, said that he basically um, did a shit job. Um, Did a shit job. And so it was kind of, he put it out there. Nathaniel Hackett said, oh, he broke the coaching code. You don't, you don't say that about stuff. And then, of course, Aaron Rodgers, who said that, um, said that basically, keep, keep my coach's name out of your mouth because he thought a lot of Nathaniel Hackett. So we now know more into it that Aaron Rodgers probably went to the Jets because of his relationship with Nathaniel Hackett. And that doesn't surprise me because we had heard when Nathaniel Hackett got the job with the Denver Broncos that Aaron might possibly want to go there. So we're not fools. They went and got Russell Wilson. He was their second option. Sean Payton obviously believes in Russell Wilson in this team, and he's trying to p- 
pep him up a little bit and get him motivated. And I think this is the way he's doing it. But he probably did it in poor taste. But at the end of the day, it gets us all headlines um, to talk about. I thought it was funny. Um, I mean, we're going to see. We're going to see how good of a coach uh, Sean Payton is. Because I tell you what, man, that's uh, pretty bold. Pretty bold. So let's get into some uh, NFL news, by the way. Let's get into the roundup like we talked about. So running back Travion Williams for the Cincinnati Bengals. Remember, he came out of Texas A&M a couple years ago. Uh, he's believed to have suffered a mild ankle sprain on Tuesday and likely miss a couple weeks. So he's kind of, eh, it's not the biggest, you know, impactful thing to happen. But at the end of the day, you never know if, uh, you know, you never know if, Joe Mixon goes down. Who's going to be that number two guy? And he obviously was it. Uh, Denver Broncos wide receiver Tim Patrick suffered a clean Achilles tear, according to Sean Payton, their coach. Uh, Patrick was carted off the field Monday with an apparent leg injury. It was believed to suffer an injury to his left Achilles tendon. So this sucks. This is season ending. And, uh, man, this really does hurt because he was always a really good complimentary guy to Jerry, Judy, Cortland Sutton. And, of course, you know, K.J. Hamler found out this week he has a heart condition, so we don't know. Um, what his availability is going to be. For the Indianapolis Colts, quarterback Anthony Richardson has returned to practice after undergoing a procedure on his nose Sunday to correct his nasal septum. Also, running back Zach Moss broke his arm and but still has a chance to be ready by, by week one. They need Zach Moss there. Um, if things don't go well with Jonathan Taylor, who did request a trade this week after meeting with owner Jim Ursay, um, this is going to hurt, man. It's going to hurt. Safety Julian Blackman from the Colts. He's got a hamstring injury, but he's progressing well. And he should be back uh, sooner rather than later. How about this, man? Um, this kind of surprised me. You know, the uh, Raiders have released tight end O.J. Howard. Uh, the former first-round pick out of Alabama that went to the Buccaneers. So OJ wasn't healthy. He was with the Texans last year. Uh, this year he was going to be trying to get there for the Raiders and do something to help them replace um, Darren Waller, but it doesn't look so hot right now. Let's see. So we got some interesting news that came out. Wide receiver Garrett Wilson. His ankle still sore, but he's expected to return to practice this Saturday, head coach Robert Sala told reporters. And also remember, guys, don't forget, do not forget that there was a big signing this week for me because I think he has the best name and one of the best names in football. Uh, The 49ers signed defensive end Taco Charlton. God, I love that name. And he can be impactful, guys, especially on the other side of uh, Nick Bosa. uh, If he, of course, if Nick Bosa does decide to hopefully sign that's you know gets that extension and they can keep him happy that would be big remember of course this thursday two days from now guys the hall of fame game is going to be the cleveland browns at the new york jets thursday 7 p.m i know the cleveland browns are not starting um deshaun watson they're going to be starting uh kellen mond so that's kind of unique but uh, you know Kind of hoping to see Deshaun a little bit and maybe knock off some of that rust, but that's what they're going with. I've not heard anything about who the Jets are going to start. Will it be Aaron Rodgers? Does he go get some reps, or are they going to let Zach Wilson take over? I doubt they let Aaron Rodgers play. He didn't play in the preseason for the Packers in a long time, but maybe he does. Hey, look, he's doing a lot of different things for the Jets, okay? He's doing a lot of different nice things for the Jets, and it makes every one of us upset, okay? 
I don't know. They rolled out the red carpet. Maybe he's ticked off, really, really ticked off the organization. He does give off the perception um, that he is. But that's that's life, right? That's life, right? (laughs) Some people are petty and bitter. It's all good. So that's what we got for episode 27. The Island Boys. Hope you enjoyed it. Not a lot of hard-hitting questions this week. We kind of steered away from that. Uh, handled the whole women's national soccer team, who, of course, tied today with the Netherlands, but they're still moving to the round of 16. Like I told my brother, it's not like I'm rooting against them. I'm just having a hard time rooting for them, but I'm not rooting against them. Not rooting against Megan Rapino just because of her actions and stuff like that. She's still a really good soccer player and still is Alex Morgan. It's just maybe they're not the best people uh, or uh, what, who I would want to, you know, model my daughter after or something like that. You know what I mean? That's just all it is. Nothing personal. Uh, it's, you try to keep politics and beliefs out of sports, um, especially for your own country. But it's, it, is, it is difficult and challenging uh, throughout this time. So that's going to do it for episode 27, like I was alluding to. Title track. The Island Boys. Hope you enjoyed it. If you have any questions for me this week, hit me up. MyTurfShow at gmail.com or on Twitter, RFMarsha11. Of course, tell your friends this podcast, My Turf, available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. So episode 70, that's a wrap. Hope everyone has a blessed week.